Good morning, good morning. So glad that you are joining us. What's up, Digital Campus? Um, drop me a comment in there and say, good morning. Welcome to church. Who's ready to get a little bit? I guess you don't have to write all that. But if you're ready to get a little bit better, you can comment yes, um, because we're going to grow. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're in a series that Pastor Marion launched last weekend, all about the five decisions of freedom. Five decisions of freedom. It's a pretty cool graphic. I like the new graphic they created. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about growth. And so I'm going to share quite a bit today from personal experience and from my own journey. And so um, the thing that I would share with you on this is five years ago, I thought I was growing. <laughs> I thought I was a rock star, actually. I thought I was doing some good stuff. I mean, at that point, I've been leading for Oh, gosh, close to 20 years. Uh, I was leading in the church. I was seeing transformation in people's lives. I was doing some stuff, and I thought I was doing pretty good. Um, but the reality is, and this is what I've really had to come to grips with, is that I was not, I was leading other people, but I was not investing in and growing myself the way I needed to. In fact, as I look back, I really was kind of drafting off what my pastors had done uh, for, for 20 years. Uh, so because I was around high-level leaders, so this is going to connect with some of you right now, because I was around high-level leaders, it was easy to look good in comparison to other people that weren't doing anything. It was easy to look like I was growing, to look like I was making progress, but in fact, I was not making the progress that I could have. I was comparing myself to others, but I was not living into the God-given potential planet on the inside of me. I just wasn't doing it. And so what the, the course of events that happened, like I started to get hungrier for growth, and so God started to birth that in my heart. And I had a friend, actually it was an acquaintance, came out of the blue and invited me. Uh, we started hanging out and started uh, having some conversations, and I started reading some books, and I started getting hungry for growth. And so he invited me to join a mastermind. Now, if that terminology is new to you, think small group on steroids, okay? Um, and it was a group of guys. They got together every week. They jumped on a video conference call. And literally, they, he said, we get together every week and we push and we challenge and we hold each other accountable and we help each other become the best version of ourselves. Everyone, he told me, is committed to growing. And we do it every single day, every single week. And so uh, I was intimidated at first, but I joined the mastermind. And when I joined that mastermind, oh my goodness, very quickly I realized I wasn't growing as much as I thought I was. In fact, uh, I wasn't doing nearly as much because I got around some guys who were obsessed about growth, who were obsessed with becoming the best version of themselves. And when I got around these guys, I started doing things differently. And so five years ago, I started reading books and I started developing new habits and new routines and I started thinking differently. That's a big one, by the way. We'll talk about that a lot today. I started thinking differently and the effect of all those things was a drastic ripple effect into every area of my life. Every area of my life, I began to start experiencing transformation and things started to shift. And so the first decision I made even before getting into the mastermind, was what Pastor Marion preached last week. I made a decision to take full responsibility for my life. Or if you've heard me speak before, you've probably heard me say this, I decided to take 
it back. In fact, you should do it right now. Come on, put your hands over your head and say, on the count of three, take it back. One, two, three, take it back. I took back my power, that power that God placed on the inside of me. And I, I started to live into the fact that I have the power to choose. Therefore, I have the power to change. And so that was the first decision. But the next decision, the one I'm going to talk to you about all day today, is it was an essential step, an essential next decision, and it was this. The decision is, I obsess about my growth. Comment right now and say, I will obsess about my growth. If you're sitting with somebody in the room right now, look at them and say, I will obsess about my growth. And so that was the second decision. Now, this decision was, it created this massive ripple effect, like I told you. And there's a quote from a guy, uh, when you talk about being obsessed, this is a guy that comes to my mind very quickly. His name's David Goggins. He wrote a book called Can't Hurt Me. Um, it's a very intense book. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. He was a Navy SEAL. Um, he's ran ultra marathons. He's done some crazy, ridiculous things. Um, but this quote feels very uh, appropriate for what we're talking about. Here's the quote. He says, when your mind is telling you you're done, that you're exhausted, that you cannot possibly go any further. You're only actually 40% done. You're not 100% done. Your mind's telling you you're done, you're spent, you can't do it anymore, you're exhausted, you can't go another moment. But really, when you hit that moment, that moment that you feel like you're done, you've only tapped into 40% of your God-given potential. Woo! Like, this should excite you. Because it wouldn't have excited me before, but here's what I'll tell you. When I joined that mastermind, I started to realize very quickly that I was only living in 40% of my potential. I started to realize that I wasn't tapping into everything that God put on the inside of me, that I was not becoming all that God designed me to be, the masterpiece that he created me to be. And so when I realized that and I started doing some things differently and I made this firm decision, I will. It's not I will. I obsess, present tense, I obsess about my growth. So since that point, um, that decision has enabled me to expand my capacity drastically. Expand my capacity to serve other people. Expand my capacity to leverage my life for God's glory. Literally, that is my sole purpose to be on this planet. I want to leverage my life for God's glory. I want to make Jesus famous. And that decision was the beginning point. And I will tell you what, like, I'll just tell you this week. This week, I was on a, a virtual event. And I spoke, and there were people from about a half a dozen different nations, Germany and China and New Zealand and Canada, like people all over the world. And I was able to speak into their lives about finding joy. It was amazing. Last night, I was on a phone call with a gentleman in Vietnam for an hour and a half, coaching, adding value, encouraging him. I mean, I've been able to touch tens of thousands of people uh, just by building a digital platform and getting myself out there and serving people and adding value and adding value and sharing the story and letting them know that they don't have to play the victim, that they can take back their power and create the life of their dreams. And so what I want to tell you is th this decision for you today, if you actually make a decision and you, you decide today to say, I will obsess about my growth, it could be the, one of the game changers of your life. Now, here's what I've observed from 25 plus years of ministry and leadership. 
Uh, my observation of us as people, you, me, all of us, is that we are really good about avoiding growth. Like, like we know it's good. We know we should. We know we know we should grow. But for some reason, we've gotten really good. We've developed all kinds of skills about how to avoid growth. And so it kind of begs the question, why do we do that to ourselves? Uh, I, I kind of threw down a few reasons. Really quick, easy to come up with because we're so good at it. Number one, we avoid growth because we underestimate it. We, we say things like, I don't need to grow. Like, as long as I can maintain, as long as I don't fall behind, as long as I've got enough, I don't really need to grow. I mean, we say crazy things like, I mean, I don't want to be like, like David, God, I don't want to be crazy about growth. I mean, these people are obsessed about growth. And like, why do they talk like this? And they're like, they, they like make me nervous. They make me, I don't like being around those kind of people. Um, we underestimate the importance of growth. You, you know why we do that, by the way? Is because when we're around people that are growing more than us, their growth makes us uncomfortable. And why does it make us uncomfortable? Because it highlights our own acceptance of mediocrity. It highlights the areas where we're not growing. And we don't, we, we don't like to deal with that, so we underestimate it. Number two, we overcomplicate it. We say, well, I don't know where to start. I, I mean, it's gonna take so much time. I don't think I have enough time. And so we make growth so um, complicated that we just can't make time. We can't get started. We don't know how to grow. Another one, we disregard it. <laughs> now, most of you wouldn't say it like this, but we, we basically say, I don't really need to grow. Like, I'm good where I'm at. Like, I know what I need to know in order to do what I need to do, and so I don't need to grow. That's for other people, but me, I'm good. You're not good! Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm gonna hold back. Other things we do is we delay it. Some of you know you need to grow and you have every intention to grow. You're going to get around to it. You're going to get around to losing that weight. You're going to get around to working on your marriage. You're going to get around to starting that business. You're going to get around you're going to get around to it when some day. And a friend of mine taught me that someday is a cuss word. Stop using the word someday to delaying your happiness to someday. It's time to step into it today. And if you don't choose to grow, you're not going to be able to step into it the way you want. And the last thing that kind of pulls it all together, I think, is why do we uh, avoid growth? It's because we're scared of it. We fear growth because growth is going to be messy. Growth is going to be difficult. Growth is going to be painful. Growth is going to require sacrifice. And so because we're scared of it, we just avoid it all together. Now, a little participation here, drop in the comments. If you can admit with me today that you have avoided growth in your life. And maybe, oh, by the way, it's not all areas. Oftentimes, you can be crushing it um, in your health, for instance. And you're like at the gym, you're crushing it, you're getting biceps, like the guy on the camera right now, he's like getting buff and doing the work. Um, like you can be crushing it there, but maybe you're crushing it there, but you will, you're avoiding growth in your marriage because you'd rather be at the gym than working on your marriage. Or maybe you're crushing it in business and you're making money and you're finding success, um, but your health was hanging on by a thread. Or maybe it was another one. I don't know. Oh, maybe you're able to touch heaven. Maybe you can pray heaven down. But you're avoiding the growth that requires you to deal with the unforgiveness in your heart or the wounds from your childhood and the abandonment and the, the way that makes you behave. Like you can touch heaven, but you're not willing to grow and work through some of those things that are deep-rooted issues. 
And so you, you might not avoid it in every area, but how many can, avoid, can admit by commenting yes in the comments right now that you have avoided growth in your life? Just comment yes right now because I know I am not alone. Here's the deal. Um, in fact, if you want, drop in the comments. What's your favorite strategy for avoiding growth? Maybe it was something I just said, or maybe you have another one that's completely unique to you and you're just a pro at avoiding growth. Drop it in the comments. I'm curious. Um, but here's the point. When we choose to obsess about our growth, it forces us to look at our life holistically rather than in segments. It forces us to look at the whole picture instead of compartmentalizing and say, well, I'm going to grow here, but I'm not going to grow here. I'm going to grow. No, if you get obsessed about your growth, that means that every area, your finances, your family, your spiritual life, your business or your career, your health, everything comes together because you, if you're going to obsess about your growth, Everything is involved in that, and you've got to make a decision to do it all. So here's what we're going to do today, because we're going to make this decision together. My prayer is that you will make this decision, and it will radically change you from this point forward. I'm going to do two things. One, I'm going to kind of lay a biblical foundation so that hopefully we can all agree that growth is not optional, that growth is essential to being who God designed us to be. And then the second thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get very practical and we're gonna talk about how growth happens and how you can create it in your life. All you gotta do is take back your power and then make a decision to obsess about your growth. I'm gonna give you practical ways to do that. So let's start with the foundation. When I'm preaching, I always like to ask the question, how's this play out in Jesus' life? Um, since Jesus is our model as believers, just about everything we preach um, should line up with his teaching or modeled in his life. And so this principle of growth oozes from the life of Jesus. This, this principle is all through the New Testament. And I'm just going to read one verse, Luke 2.52, and Jesus grew. Everybody comment, Jesus grew. We could stop right there and be done with the sermon. If you've been wondering if you need to grow and you want to be like Jesus, it says Jesus grew. If you want to be like Jesus, you need to grow. I need to grow. Uh, but we'll keep reading. And Jesus grew. Other translations say instead of grew, it says he increased, he advanced, he matured. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. The message, I love this. It says, and Jesus matured, growing up. <laughs> Look at somebody sitting by you if you're with somebody and just say, it's time to grow up. Like, to, to realize they're saying that to you too, so you might need to grow up too. He grew up, not just in his body, but also in his spirit, blessed by both God and people. If we don't grow up, if we don't mature, advance, increase, um, we may have relationship God, but it's going to be more difficult to have relationship with people because our relationships, for our relationships to be healthy, it requires us to grow. So Jesus grew. He increased. He advanced. He matured. He kept learning and growing, learning and growing, learning and growing. How have you been learning and growing lately? Because if you want to be like Jesus, it's going to require you. I mean, come on. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God. If Jesus had to grow, doesn't it seem obvious that we as his followers, his children, we're going to have to make that same decision to grow, to grow up in spirit and in body, to grow in our mind and our intellect and all those ways. So Jesus grew. Hopefully you already typed Jesus grew. How about another example? Not only did Jesus grow, Paul grew. Paul, who, who used to be Saul, he became 
from Saul to Paul, but this is what the verse says in Acts 9.22. Yet Saul grew. Everybody say, Saul grew. Woo! Comment right now. Saul grew. Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Saul, who became Paul and wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, folks. He wrote two-thirds of the Bible, and he grew. And it seems like when, you know, he was a student of scholars and he was educated and all those things as a young child, but when he had that Damascus Road encounter with God and he, he, he totally shifted, lost his sight, got his sight back, it seems that his growth, his desire to grow, to be that best version of himself that God created him to be only increased. Why? Well, it's right there in the verse, he grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. He got hungry to grow because he knew there was purpose and destiny riding on his ability to communicate effectively to other people. Like, that's not just a Bible verse. That's like, hey, I've got to grow. I've got to become a better person, a better teacher, a better communicator. I've got to be able to intellectually keep up with these other people that don't think Jesus is the way so I can communicate to them effectively that Jesus is the way. I'll add one more in. It wasn't in my notes, but I'm just gonna drop it in. First Thessalonians 4, is it verse 1? 1 Thessalonians 4, might be verse 10, but it says, Paul's writing there and to, to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, I asked you and urged you how to live in order to please God. And, now, and then he says, and now I ask you to do so more and more. Everybody type right now, more and more. That is the meat of this message that we can, like you, I'm saying, some of you are growing, you're doing good, but we, we're gonna tap into, when we take a decision and say, I obsess about my growth, we are tapping into the more and more of God, the more and more of who he created us to be, the more and more of the people that need to know the name of Jesus, just like Paul did. We're gonna tap into that, but it doesn't happen just by showing up. Let me drop this verse in here. This is more from the Apostle Paul, Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14. This is like a life verse for me. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Listen, if I could come over there, like where you're at, like right now, and jump across the camera right now, like into your living room, wherever you're at, I would grab hold of you because that's what Paul said. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. He was apprehended. God took hold of him. And because God had taken hold of his soul, of his spirit, of his life, everything that was Paul, God had apprehended. And because of that, Paul had a fire lit under him. I mean, these verses aren't to be taken lightly. He sounds a bit obsessive. In fact, let's read it in the Passion Translation. It says, I admit. Remember what we did at the very beginning? I was trying to get you to admit that maybe you've avoided some growth, but because Paul had to do the same thing. He says, I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I am pursuing. Listen, when you're pursuing absolute fullness in Christ, is there any space for mediocrity? Is there any space to like just go halfway or just have just enough? No, 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 no. Absolute fullness says that's obsessive, folks. I I love preaching. I love this message. I love the Bible because it's so real, so powerful in our lives. The absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, but I run with passion. See, passion will make you obsessed 
about some things. I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to, called me to fulfill. See, like what's riding on you making this decision, I obsess about my growth, is you fulfilling your calling. And then it says, the call me to fulfill and wants me to discover. What's riding on your decision to obsess about your growth is discovering the full depth, width, breadth of your calling and discovering all that God created you to be. Listen, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're only tapping into 40%. Like when I described my story to you there at the beginning and I was like, man, God's done a lot of stuff in the last five years. I'm gonna read something from my journal here in a little bit. But I would say now, like after God doing a lot of work and partnering with God and doing some things I'm gonna talk to you about today, I think generously I might be at 50% of my potential maybe 60 if I'm on a good day. But like, guys, like I know genuinely, sincerely that there is a potential in me that I have not tapped. And if I don't get obsessed, like Paul got obsessed to discover and to live into the full calling that God's placed on my life, then I'm not honoring the calling that he's placed on my life. And it says in verse 13, he says, I don't depend on my own strength. Isn't that good news that we got grace to empower us? I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. One compelling focus. That one compelling focus to become who God designed us to be, to be everything that he called us to be, to be that masterpiece. And that does not come without making a decision to say, I am going to obsess about my growth. Let me say a couple things to you. The life of a follower of Jesus is a life of growth. The life of a follower of Jesus is a life of growth. But we can't follow Jesus and be stagnant. But I mean, stagnant, not moving. But following, following requires movement. I mean, what is a disciple? A disciple, just by definition, is a student of a teacher. So if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, that means we're a student and we are becoming more like him. We are learning more of his ways. Some people have made the, being a disciple of Jesus all about, I got my ticket to heaven and I'm good. Like, I, I, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm, I'm good with that. But that's not what it's about, folks. Like for you, for me, it's not what it's about. What, when we say I'm a disciple of Jesus, it means that I am committed to learning and growing. I will be obsessed about my growth to become more like my father, to become more like Jesus. That's why we are a disciple. That's why we are following him. And so I'll, I'll add this in here because we've been talking a lot. Our culture is that we want to make a difference in every way that we can, every day and in every way that we can. But if you want to make a difference in every way and every day, like if you want to do that, you're not going to be able to do that without making a decision to grow. Because today you could make a difference. But if you grew, if you got closer to Jesus, if you grew in this talent, if you grew in this business skill, you could give more money. If, if you grow, you're going to be able to make a difference in bigger ways in more people's lives. See, if you want to make, be a difference maker, you've got to come to the point of making this decision. I'll also say this because we're talking about five decisions that lead to freedom. You want freedom in your life. Freedom does not come with waiting for God to do it all. 
Freedom comes with, I'm going to become everything that he designed me to be. And as I do that, freedom grows in my life every day and every way as we're making a difference. So everybody type, I obsess about my growth. Now, there's some things that I could go into. I'm going to kind of skip over a little bit here. But like growth is not what we think it is. Like, we, we think growth happens in certain ways. We think, we, well, what we'd like. We want it to be quick, easy, painless, lots of recognition and kudos. You're growing, you're awesome. But growth doesn't happen that way. We think growth happens because of our good intentions. <laughs> Woo, that's good. Growth does not happen because of good intentions. We think growth happens because we pray for it enough. Question, how's that working for you in your marriage? You prayed for your marriage to change. You're praying for your, like, how's that working? How's that work? You've been praying to lose weight, been praying to get fit and healthy. How's that working for you? You've been praying to connect more with God, but you haven't been showing up and getting in your prayer closet and reading the Bible. How's that? Listen, it doesn't happen because we pray about it. It happens because of a choice. It doesn't happen because we occasionally show up. That's not how growth happens. You occasionally show up at church, at the gym, in your, like, in your marriage, in, in your, for your own self. Singles, listen, listen, singles, if you want to have that man or woman of your dreams just like come into your life, but you're not doing the work today to obsess about your growth to become the man or woman that's going to be fit and ready for that relationship, this decision hinges, your life hinges on this decision. So if growth doesn't happen those, those ways, how does it happen? <laughs> growth happens through the calm compound effect. Growth happens through the compound effect. There's a great book by the same title that you should read by a guy named Darren Hardy. It's not a straight up spiritual book, but the principles in it are extremely biblical, which I'll give you the biblical foundation in a moment. Here's the compound effect. Very simple. It's an equation. Small, smart choices plus consistency plus time will bring dramatic transformation, dramatic impact on your life. But it is those small, seemingly insignificant decisions, behaviors, mindset, routines, that when executed consistently over time will bring that dramatic result. The compound effect, it, it's, it's um, what's the word I'm going for? It's subtle and it's powerful, more powerful than we give it credit for. In fact, let me ask you a question. If today I told you I will either give you one penny that doubles every day for the next 31 days, or I will write you a check. No, better yet, I'll give you a briefcase with all the cash and the bills so you can do that. A briefcase filled with $3 million. Which one would you take? A penny that doubles every day for the next 31 days, just a penny, or would you take the $3 million? Which one? Comment right now, the penny, or you can just type, show me the money! Uh, Which would you take? Because the reality is, because the power of the compound effect, the payout on the penny after 31 days is more than $3 million. I think it's like four and a half million, something like that. Like the compound effect is real and powerful. But listen, it takes time to get fruit, to get results. And so what I wanna challenge you with today is not to make a decision that I obsess about my growth for the next seven days. I will specifically challenge you to do that here in a moment, but I want you to make a decision that I'm gonna obsess about my growth for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, that's what Paul did. He said, I'm gonna give my life to growing and becoming who God designed me to be. Let's put the Bible on this. Galatians 6, eight through nine. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. 
Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The Passion Translation, it says, and don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened. See, that's what happens in the time. See, we can make a decision to do the right stuff, but then we got to keep doing it and keep doing it, and we get weary and disheartened. We're like, it's not giving results. Nothing's happening. And so we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Uh, Sorry, do not, in the Passion, don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seed. See, that's what these decisions do. That's what these habits that I'm getting ready to, to rattle off to you and give you will do for you. Don't be disheartened in planting good seeds for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest that you've planted is coming. It is coming. You know, about five years ago, um, I just went back and I read this journal, uh, journal number 14 from August of 2015. I just had a birthday last month and so I pulled it out and I was reading. I went back and I read this entry Uh, which may have had a little impetus to me preaching this message and talking about the compound effect. But listen to what I wrote five years ago. Wow, I feel God's presence as I began to capture this. I started reading The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. In a nutshell, small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equal a radical difference. This isn't necessarily a grand revelation, but last night laying in my bed on my 39th birthday, it clicked. It was like a flood of awareness washed over me. More like it would hit me like a tsunami. The only thing holding me back from the life I was born to live are my choices. Not massive, life-defining ones, but small, consistent, smart choices over time. And then this is a bit naive, but this is what I wrote. My 39th year is going to be my best because I make my best choices and I stick with them. I'm going to make the necessary changes a little bit at a time. I'm going to break the negative cycles by following the lead of the Holy Spirit consistently over time. Now, how many of you know my whole life didn't change in the next 12 months? But I will tell you, I'm gonna give you seven different things you can do to obsess about your growth real quick. But the majority of them, five out of the seven, I started after I wrote that. A week from that day, I was in my first ever mastermind. I started doing the things I'm getting ready to share with you. It didn't happen in one year, but those habits, those decisions that enabled me to obsess about my growth have changed my life undeniably, irreversibly at this point because I've stuck with it over time. It's gonna take longer than you think. It's gonna look different than you think, but if you commit to it, you will never be the same. So let me give you seven. This is like a three-point sermon. I'm gonna give you seven. My cameraman just flipped out a little bit because I said seven points. Um, Number one, obsess about your growth. Um, Renew your mind through consistent, intentional learning. Consistent, intentional learning. I'm gonna drop verses. You can write them down. Romans 12, two, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Second Corinthians 10, five, take captive every thought and bring it into the obedience of Christ. When we begin to do these things, we get renewed, we get transformed, but we've got to put habits in to say, we do that on a regular basis. So reading books, reading the Bible, of course, but reading books and listening to podcasts and YouTube and uh, reading articles and blogs, and there's so much wealth of opportunity for us to grow, but again, we're not applying ourselves to intentionally do that. So make learning a habit. If I was just gonna sum up that first point, make learning a habit. Number two, uh, <laughs> meditation. Psalm 46, verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. 
Meditation is not new age. It is not Eastern religion. It is the Bible. Jesus said, be still and know that I'm God. When I meditate and I just take some time to slow down, I did it this week because I was hectic and running. Um, I'm just stealing myself to remind myself, he's God and I'm not. It's all meditation is, slowing down so we remember that he's in control and we don't have to be. Number three, daily affirmations or when brother, Pastor Bill Walton taught us the creation sequence, every single day I'm declaring over my life the things that line up with God's word, the mindsets, the truths that line up with his word. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. We can have whatever we say, but we gotta do it on a daily basis. Number four is journaling. I could talk for days about journaling. In fact, if you're watching this and you want a free journaling, I have a 60-day journaling challenge I created. I will send it to you for free. Comment right now in the chat and say, I want the challenge, and we will send that out to you. Um, number five is visualization. Um, that ties a ton to Hebrews 11, 1 and 3, that the scene is made out of what is invisible. And when we shift our confident expectation, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Whatever we hope for, whatever we confidently expect, when I can see it and believe it, according to the word of God, God can manifest it. He gave us the power to create. So visualizing, seeing our future. And then number six, a morning routine. Everything I just told you about, I do every single morning in my morning routine. Um, I take time to do these things because it helps me become who God designed me to be so I can obsess about my growth and became, become who he wants me to be. And then the last thing I would say, you want to obsess about your growth? You don't see this one coming. Stay planted in the local church. Stay connected in a body of believers that are gonna give you life and challenge you and encourage you and sharpen you. Be that iron sharpening iron. Stay connected in the body of Christ. And I'll read this verse, Psalm 92, 12 through, let's hear it, 12 through 14. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of God. That's what the local church is, planted in the house of God. They will flourish in the courts of God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. If you want that for your life, stay connected in the church, that decision. Now that journaling and that one, I've been doing that for a lot longer, um, but those are essential for you to obsess about your growth. So what is it right now from that list that I just dropped on you quickly that you're gonna do this week and maybe for the rest of your life to obsess about your growth? Which one of those did the Holy Spirit already like, yep, you need a journal. Yep, you need to meditate. Yep, you need a morning routine. Yep, you need to get more plugged into the church. Maybe you're watching online and you're like, you know what? I feel like the Holy Spirit just said you need to get back in the building. I'm not pressuring that. I'm like, there's no shaming here or anything. But if the Holy Spirit pricked you with that and you need to get back and you feel safe and all those kind of things, um, then maybe you need to get plugged back in. So what is it for you that you need to do? Drop it in the comments right now. Listen, guys, you, if you make the decision that I will obsess about my growth, it will create a ripple effect in your life for you to become. Just like Paul said, let the Spirit of God apprehend you and then take on that singular focus to live into and to become everything that he's designed you to be. I wanna pray for you to that effect. God, I thank you for every person watching right now. And I pray that uh, you would just stir their heart right now to, to make a decision to say growth is not optional. It's a requirement for a follower of Christ and I choose to obsess about my growth. God, stir them, make clear, maybe from what I gave them or something else that you told them while I was talking, what is their next step to begin this journey of growing like they never had before. God, bless them on that journey and we pray it all in the mighty name of Jesus.
Amen, amen. We love you. Uh, We will see you soon. Take care, Digital Church.